I, you know, it to to backtrack a little bit. I, I'm sort of fascinated by Maine in general. Um, it is such a, it is like the spooky, distant, other world of the U.S. Like, no, it, very few people live there, and it is like, it is like the, it feels like it's. I think it's the most northern part of the U.S. too. Um. um. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that's Lovecraft country, right? That whole region. Uh, yeah, I think it's mixed in there. And it, mm -hmm. it's interesting to me because one of my favorite painters of all time, um, Andrew Wyeth, spent part of his time there and would do a lot of paintings based out of there. And it has this very... And his work has this very haunted quality to it. And that's kind of how I feel like Maine has this... It's still wild too, because there's like when the winter hits, it's another thing. And I think there's parts of Vermont that are similar. Like it just freezes over and no one can do anything. Like I, I think people end up abandoning, like they only live there part of the year because it's just becomes too harsh and distant. And it's too, like it's so frozen, it's difficult to like get, you know, standard uh, living shit out there. Like it's, it's hard to like, get electrical wiring out it's hard to get like plumbing like all that stuff that's like pretty normal is uh so i think it i think it maintains this wild quality to it um mm. and i've also heard weird things like there's there's like uh there's this thing that happens up there that it's like these like vortexes that'll just appear out of nowhere in the sea and just suck things down like it, it's yeah it's such a weird place <laughs> that's so lovecraftian that's literally yeah. lovecraftian yeah. just some oceanic monstrosity just like you that you can't see just swallowing up up everything ships. well it's also very much like we were just saying stephen king country. king yeah like and and i i'll go to bat on this one i think stephen king is on some real shit uh mm. i think he like because he gets a lot of his ideas from dreams and and even if he writes the same book twice every once in a while, like he, a lot of his ideas, the way that he presents things, I like that he kind of builds up to this, this suspense of this creature that in a lot of stories you would never see or you would get glimpses of. And then he has it just walk into the room and start a conversation with you. <laughs> and it's like suddenly the thing is, is realized and actualized in a way that um, it's it's jarring in the way that real spirit experiences are and i, I really believe that he's had a lot of them and that he's uh his, his metaphysics seem pretty solid to me most of the time and i think there's something about just being in that area like it just gets in your bones yeah and even if he isn't like fully uh weird in the in the sense that he, he like whether or not he has a haunted metaphysics like he's still a a writer and he's you know like a lot of people say lovecraft was an 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 uh an unconscious channeler mm. or unwitting channeler like he didn't know and like because lovecraft was like a, an avowed atheist um you know he kind of you know almost like reminiscent of like you know sam harris or something just or richard dawkins just sneering contempt for religious superstition do you but, think that was a theological choice, though? Like, because I, I wonder about uh, that. Like, uh, is is that like an offering to the beasts that he knows are real to say that God isn't real? Uh, and uh, I, uh, 
Yeah, I, I kind of wonder. I've, I I <laughs> almost thinking about it now. I almost feel like it's a defense mechanism. Mm, that that's like, a good that's a good idea. Like too. like I think if he's experiencing this, like this the idea of like him being channeling and like this stuff is overwhelming. Like there's a reality to it that he just does not want to accept. Um. And I think him declaring himself an atheist sort of is like a shield against that. There, there's uh, there's people that talk about that, like the idea of like, oh, well, this is all bullshit is actually like it's in a weird way. It's its own like protective prayer or charm like that. It's, yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense because his, like his mother uh, had very severe mental health issues, like to the point yeah. where she was institutionalized. And uh, she would like she she was like afraid of something she couldn't see. I think that that was like I'm not like I think she thought she was being pursued by something, and yeah, she just couldn't see it. And um, you know that and that you know that that happened when he was really young. And uh, I think that that could very well be the case with him. It's like like he just basically shut out anything that was not, you know. Uh, visibly apparent just because you know like he saw what it did to his mother mother you know and you see that really reflected in his work like with like abdul al-hazarad like apparently the author of the the necronomicon was was eaten by something that was invisible so just Mm. he was like in the town square and just something was taking bites out of him and like and just (laughs) chunks of him just disappearing yeah, and I kind of see that as an echo of like what he went through with his mother. You can, you know, you can sometimes you can have a little author of the Necronomicon as a snack. <laughs> well, well, it's it's also interesting because at the same time, a lot of the the cosmic horror concept is is like would be a physical manifestation of like materialist atheism, and that it's an uncaring universe. And so then it literally manifests as giant monsters who, <laughs> who are like w- way beyond, like they're on, they like, we don't belong in this universe. So we don't understand why they want to, and they don't care about us. Like they just like, Oh, we're here. They'll just eat us. They don't give a shit. Um, yeah. So, so it's sort of wrapped into it. So I think it's kind of both. I think, I think he's doing that because it's, it's both a shield, but then also part of the reality of this thing he's like interacting with yeah um, well what uh, you just said really brings prometheus to mind not yeah. not to change the subject but it's like no not at all and and i just feel like this is why i think lovecraft is like legitimately like uh he was an un an unknowing channeler just because lovecraft features so prominently in in the occult like for for years and years and um he sort and in a way he actually played a role in like my like how I got into magic, um, and uh, it, it's because of the sub it's the subject matter of his writings because it's pretty much uh, the consensus is that he wasn't a very good writer. Like I remember I was listening to somebody describe him, and they said that his writing style is kind of inert, and it is because it's basically his his short stories are essentially like these little showcases that are just like very they just are essentially a rising and rising terror leading up to the big reveal. And then somebody's like writing like frantically in their journal right before they jump out the window. Like, and it's, 
Um, so it's like not that great of writing, but there's something compelling about the about the entities that he's writing about, which is why like it's like he's he probably was going to some interesting places like that are real in the way that the imagination is the spirit world. Like he was going to some far out places that were are populated by some pretty just bananas entities and you know i actually thinking about this it this i think also lovecraft is what happens uh like there, there's um there's that famous scene in jacob's ladder the movie jacob's ladder where the um his like his like chiropractor who's who i think is actually a psychopomp or something to that effect is like angels and demons are the same thing it's just that your perception of them and so I, I think I think you, you Lovecraft is what happens when you when you continue to deny the reality of these things, but they're still influencing your life. Oh yeah. So yeah. you it's it's like it can't ha like you can't um the uh, it keeps you from I don't know I, what am I trying to say like the lens you're looking through turns the planetary angels into like yog so so, so, so and, yeah, yeah. It, ma it makes everything monstrous because it just it won't jive with this materialist idea that you have of how the universe is supposed to be so because they shouldn't exist in your this, view they become yeah. horrifying yeah and, it, yeah and it's like you it's like refusal to accept that that that's the way the universe is so so you're you're again cutting yourself off from it, and 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 the act of cutting yourself off from it is what is where the actual terror lies. And um, yeah, I don't know that that's I haven't thought about that before. But that's interesting, yeah, because like you know he's he's got a lot of entities that have like multitudinous eyes, like a bunch of eyes. Yeah, and it's like you know that's a thing that comes up with angels is their uh, well their eyes. I've had that when I do my angel prayers, like I've, I've see that. And um, yeah, it's possible. And now that I think about it, that kind of um, reminds me of some of the stuff we were talking about pre-record about that spirit who, you know, I started getting like weird ghoulish imagery about this mm. spirit who's not necessarily, you know, doesn't advertise as ghoulish, but. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> And, you know, I think Prometheus literally, like, you can make the argument that Prometheus actually is, a, is a, uh, an adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness by Lovecraft. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, and there's definitely a lot in there. I've noticed that, like, it has, um, well, certainly with, like, the, you know, you've got, like, the idea, like, of cosmic horror you know, the origins of humanity. That's another thing that's in the, the mountains of madness because uh, you kind of find out that these, these, uh, this very ancient alien race is responsible for humanity. And then at the mountains of madness, it's like they make it seem as if it's like this weird mistake. Um, and there's this black goo, like Shogoths are essentially just this black goo kind of thing. Um, yeah, like Prometheus, and I believe Guillermo del Toro was actually going to make uh, yeah uh, an adaptation at the Mountains and, of Madness, and, and, and then, then Prometheus heard... came out and he was like, "Oh, yeah, they already kind of did it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I see a lot of, yeah, so, yeah, I think that that was probably an idea whose time had come, and uh, uh, Ridley Scott beat him to the punch. Yeah, <laughs> the muses get their shit done, whether or not you're ready. That's true, yeah, that's that for real, they, they, they seem to. But, yeah, so it's like, um, I lost my train of thought. I'll let you carry it on. <laughs> uh, no, you, you were talking about Prometheus as, as like an adaptation of the At the Mountains of Madness. And um, it's, this, it's this weird confluence of things, too, because, you know, and how Lovecraft weaves into it, because like H.R. Giger is like arguably the most Lovecraftian artist in many ways um like he um it's funny because he's i remember i talked to tim about this like you like however long ago i was on his show but it's sort of funny how um you know familiarity with his work like has sort of just he's been subsumed in the pop culture but he's honestly very radical and like when you first encounter his work i remember when i first encountered his work it's it was deeply disturbing like legitimately like it's it is like you almost want to avert your eyes from it and like i remember i remember when i first uh encountered I don't remember if it was like Necronomicon one or two. It's funny because his his like art books are named after the Necronomicon. Um, uh, I, I remember like looking through the the paintings and like and there's these enormous tomes. They're giant books. They don't fit on any other any no other book is shaped like them. They're fucking ridiculous. Um, I remember flipping with them and like I was a kid. So the book is almost like as big as me. It's like half the size. And I remember being like literally nauseous looking at the stuff. Um, like it, it had this like really queasy. It made me feel very weird and queasy and like I shouldn't be looking at this. And like and um, that's such a I don't think I've gotten that kind of visceral reaction from a from a static image from a painting. Like I, I that's a very that's a very hard thing to have happen, especially now for me. But I, I think, mm -hmm. I think his the familiarity with his work has like kind of sanded down the potency of, of his actual imagination and like whatever the fuck he was tapping into. And it's funny because um, Prometheus is he was dead by the time it was made, but it's so much of an homage to him. Mm -hmm. um, uh yeah uh and and there's also this kind of weird thing like um like somehow beneath all of his like disturbing dark imagery there's actually these like alabaster gods kind of that are walking <laughs> it's 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 yeah i haven't i haven't really thought about that before either like the the engineers are these like almost like living Greek statues that, that are walking around and somehow there we peel away all that like Giger biomechanical shit. And then underneath it are these like really like almost perfect humans in a weird way. Yeah. I, that, that's something that I, I, I fought with a bit going in because it's like, I don't think Ridley Scott or certainly Giger imagined the, uh, the alabaster gods 
beneath yeah. the engineer's outfit when they made Alien. Um, I think that that was something. And I, there's a thing about Prometheus, which is one of the reasons that I really, I really like it. A lot of people hate it. And for me, it's like top three. Um, like, you know, one of my favorite, one of my three favorite films is because like, I went into it not as an Alien fan. Like I went into it, like I, I, um, I had seen Alien and I was like, this is, this is I, like, I was like, this is fine. Like, it didn't like set my soul on fire. But I, I saw the trailers for Prometheus and I was very interested in the idea of like an ancient alien human origin story. And, um, and I, so that's what brought me to the film. And um, I don't think, I had this notion that Ridley Scott did not actually want to make a prequel to Alien at first. I think he just wanted to make that ancient alien human origin story independent of Alien. But I think, and I think the Hollywood executives were just like, no, you got to make it a franchise. Like the, the Marvel movies, the, the gotta, you got to make a shared universe. And, um, and while you're at it, it, make some references to Blade Runner, where it's a shared universe. <laughs> <laughs> and there are actually. Uh, references to Blade Runner in it but um uh so I do think like the engineers are probably something from like, that he incorporated into it like separately which is why they seem somewhat incongruous mm-hmm. but um they do actually I think fit in in their own way to the the, the Gigaresque kind of uh you know <coughs> art and, and design but um yeah, I do think he was actually trying to make a, a totally diff- independent story to begin with. They, they they are weird in that they're like, in addition to being like alabaster stones, they're almost like giant maggots. Like they're like these squishy, like white translucent. Um, uh, it's. I would. I don't know. You keep that physique. That guy's. That guy's. I don't. I wouldn't control that. Medic. That guy's. That guy's on some juice. <laughs> they were on some serious juice. Why don't you call him a maggot to his face? See what happens. Uh, I will. He'd probably be fine with it. He after he squ- crushes my head or whatever. <laughs> as long as you don't ask him, how can I live forever? Yeah, that's the only problem. Um. Yeah, uh, there's so many like weird, and it's almost like at the beginning of the thing, he he almost takes. It's almost like he's taking ayahuasca and he's breaking down, which is what like the the you know some of a a shaman experience is being like torn apart, broken into pieces, and then reestablished. Yeah, it's so funny that that the the movie basically starts with that. Yeah, it's almost like take your drugs now. The movie's starting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was the scene. Like, I remember, I, I, another thing, a reason why I liked Prometheus was like, I kind of went into it with like, I didn't really have high expectations. Like, I just watched it with two friends of mine because they really wanted to see it. And I think they were just, you know, Ridley Scott stands or whatever. So I was just kind of just going along for the ride. But it was that very first scene, like, with just, it's so, it was somehow so familiar. Like, I remember feeling like I had, 
it was somehow, I guess it's because it's probably very archetypal, you know, but like there's something that felt true about that opening scene. Like it's hard to explain, but the, the it, it gave me a feeling that reminded me of something I felt when I watched The Lord of the Rings when I was like 10 years old. And um, it was just this weird feeling like, like I've seen this before in a weird way, mm. you know? Interesting. Yeah, well, that moment is really powerful. Like, uh, yeah. Aside from the existential horror, uh, there's something about like the lab scientist throwing away the petri dish mm-hmm. in that moment. That like, whereas I'm someone that always thinks about like, well, how does the mold feel about this? You know, so like seeing it happen to like a, a sentient being, kind of just like I like that it forced people to. It forces people to think of themselves as being the helpless uh, thing that can just be like ejected from reality at will from something bigger because, and it's not God, right? It's not something you you have precepts to obey necessarily. It, it, it could just be because it's having an off day or it found something better to do with its, with its time. And it, it's just, yeah, it's faceless. You just get this fucking UFO and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's the, the abject horror in that is fun, and then there's also a lesson. <laughs> That's why I like it, I guess. Yeah, like it works on its own. Like I could, sh- like I could have just saw, like that could have just been like a short, like if that yeah. opening scene were just a short film, mm. like in and of itself, like and just ending with the title card Prometheus, like that would work, and that would win awards at you know movie festivals and stuff i really just wanted to see the high drama of what happened on that world and have that be the last scene in the movie (laughs) that would be really fun yeah like um yeah it's uh and yeah so that like that opening scene really was just like made me realize that like like i was really in for something Mm -hmm. and um it was, uh, and it feels very different from Alien. Like, I don't know. And there's something about, I think it's a similar thing to like, reminds me of like Inglorious Bastards. Like a lot of people say that that opening scene of Inglorious Bastards is just like, it's like where he's like, you know, like. Uh, he's calling um, the farmer about like. Yeah. yeah. Like there was something so like fairy tale about that, but also horrifying. Mm-hmm. that like and the rest of the film doesn't really match up to that like it's very top heavy yeah um i feel a similar way about prometheus because i do think prometheus is a mess like it's not a perfect film like it's not and like subsequent rewatchings of it really bring like highlight its its flaws and just it's kind of a mess and there's some just weird you know continuity issues that they really could have patched up and i do think it's because ridley scott didn't really want to make an alien prequel and um and i do think he was like you know fielding a lot of different uh inputs from like his writers and then like the the hollywood execs and i guess fox, no, fox studios execs and uh, but there's something in it that just feels so like there's a through line in it like it's it's soul you can kind of feel it and like that's that's what keeps me 
thinking about this film. And I found the film itself a very interesting contemplative, you know, just like, cause it's got this weird fractal quality that I can see all kinds of things through it. And it just like, like on the one hand, it's like an ancient aliens story. On the other hand, it's like, it's, it's the Bible. On the other hand, it's like, it's like Gnostic. And on the other hand, it's like kind of apocalyptic. Um, and it's like, like I was talking to a friend of mine about how it's like, it's, it's kind of in a way a commentary about collapse, like, 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 like the kind of like the collapse we're going through right now. And I was talking to him about how like the black goo is kind of represents collective sins, you know, and it's like, and the, like it causes the society to break down. And um, yeah, there's a lot there. And it's just very interesting to kind of see all the like weird directions that I think Ridley Scott wanted to go with the film. I really like, like a lot the, of people... the black glue, black goo. Like uh, it starts off as this just amorphous stuff, and if you just look at it with like blurry, squinted, stoned eyes, it's like there's this bad, clearly bad black goo, bad bad stuff, and then it mixes with a being and then it takes on some qualities of that being but it's not quite that being but it's horrifying and then it'll like do it again to something else and there's something like like that's a story about spirits more <laughs> i think more than it is about biology uh -huh. but he, he told it with biology yeah it's um it's really captivating and it has, it's something that's stayed with me over the years. And um, it's, uh, there's, it, it's just, um, it's just a shame that like, we never really got the end of that story, you know, like, cause we got Alien Covenant and then that, I don't know, I talked to Kurt about that, about how like that, I kind of take that as a, I feel like Alien Covenant is extremely meta in the sense that it's essentially a, a fuck you letter to, to Fox Studios but it's because uh, it's a mess and it just goes so far away from what I, what I wanted to see because that would have been just such a, imagine if Prometheus had been like, you know, if we actually got the sequel, you know, where they actually go to the home world and, you know, we actually find out answers, you know, why they changed their mind and all that. And instead we just get this schlocky, you know, yeah, I feel like nobody really has the guts to, to do things like that. It, it seems like almost no one just, like, where are the writers that that watched anime growing up? Like, that are just willing to be like, no, yeah, we're going to go there and we're going to show you that world and we're going to explain everything because we're not fucking cowards. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we're writers and we're going to, we have more story in us than this vague ass shit that just leaves you hanging. Like, I think that'd be really cool to just be brave enough to do it and go balls to the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Co Covenant's, Covenant's really interesting because there's like a, there's the ghost of a much more interesting movie and story that is like woven in and haunted that movie that there's like little fragments of that still show through um yeah. yeah and i feel the exact same way about prometheus like how you just described the alien covenant i feel like the same way about prometheus there is a much more com com like the 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 compelling story is closer to the surface with prometheus mm -hmm. um 
but uh, it could it, it it's just not as coherent as it could have been. Um, but in Alien Covenant, it's just like deeper. It's almost like Nos. It's almost like this weird meta statement about like like Gnosticism about like like spirit or truth being like plunged into deeper and deeper levels of materiality and it's like like you know prometheus is imperfect and then alien covenant is just really imperfect and uh, who knows what we'll get next i'm sure the next one will be a comedy alien alien was perfect and aliens was a little little less perfect but still amazing and then and then the third one was a little it's the same sort of story i think which is Maybe that's just how ideas find their way into film, because it's <laughs> in a lot of a lot of times. Um, but I mean, it's not true with like Indiana Jones or Star Wars, in my opinion. But hey, yeah, yeah they, get, so. they get they get slowly corrupted by money in a weird way. Like, like there, I know there's a thing in Hollywood where it's like oh, sometimes success is actually more of a burden than a failure because you get a success and then suddenly all the fucking dumb production like the dumb producers and stuff want to want to suddenly join in and like they end up fucking with the thing that was like that made it successful it's like if they just leave the people alone maybe they'd get another success but instead they want to like manage it and be a part and have their thumb in it and that sort of ends up fucking up a lot of stuff i don't know I movies are weird. Like I, I've been around a couple of people that have that have. I actually, I, I was. I've been around someone who actually got one made, and the whole industry is just designed to not make movies. Like it's just <laughs> the whole. Like I, I don't. I don't understand how anything exists. Honestly, it it makes no sense because if you engage with it, because it's all just like. Um it's all just nose and then like diffusion of responsibility and then uh yeah and then once things do happen it's like everybody wants to be responsible but also not responsible at the same time it's just it's fucking preposterous (laughs) i don't i don't understand and the yeah and and i i i think it's interesting what you're saying about prometheus jack and that like he probably only because okay so the I, I watched the movie not that long ago. It, it had maybe been a couple of months. So for this, I just, I had a whole bunch of shit to do. So I just, I just turned, I just put it on a mute and let it play in the background. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is by far one of the best looking movies that have ever been put to screen. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is visually stunning. Yeah. Um, and like, and it still uses a lot of like beautiful, pra- like all of the creatures, like there's that little snake uh eel thing that like attacks yeah. the scientist and like it it's crazy the the quality of that effect because like it looks like it like the skin on it is like slightly translucent mm-hmm. like it looks alive and um and and then there's there's the other scenes like the the thing where like they're he's in the um that star map room like that's another like that is a that is a stunning scene. That scene is beautiful. It's yeah. like, it's kind of and it's kind of weird that this like there's all these like great moments in this film that are sort of burdened by other stupid bullshit. That's sort of like, God damn it, why did you? What? <laughs> and then um and it, it also sort of, I remember when it came out, it it's it's open to all this ambiguity too because 
there's like a lot of questions like the the thing that the guy drinks the ayahuasca basically the guy drinks at the beginning is that the same as the black goo like is it and then is he is he drinking it on earth or is that a completely separate world is that maybe the world they get to in covenant like it there's like all of these like nothing's clear yeah and that's um, something yeah yeah go ahead Oh, I just, I actually kind of like being bamboozled in that way. Yeah. <laughs> like one of my favorite shows ever was Lost. And I kind of liked the being perplexed and, and speculating. And that like that to me, that's a feature, not a bug. A lot of people hated Lost because of it. But a lot of people watched Lost. And a lot of people who complained about that watched Lost. So I think people like being invited to think. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun. Maybe yeah, some I... people... It's frustrating. I the first two seasons or so because like because of that and then I lost interest but when it was new I remember just being like oh finally something that like doesn't just spill fucking everything out for me and then at some point yeah. I realized like oh they don't know what's happening either and then yeah. I stopped watching it but yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> well and it's it's funny because the because damon lindelof the, one of the main screenwriters on prometheus was also from lost oh yeah, that's precisely up. yeah um and and actually and and i and i agree with you i don't mind ambiguity either like i actually he he went on to do this show the leftovers which is maintains this ambiguity throughout the entire show but it is incredible hmm. um and it's done very successfully in that um which it's like i i feel like i feel like the difference is is that prometheus was like there's a lot of half measures in it i think i think if it like yeah i don't know um and there's also like weird there feels like there's a lot of weird like dead ends in some ways too uh like i i remember they're like half of the cast yeah, the, the them too. Well, <laughs> the well characters. also, the also characters. these like the, they're, these they're strange... so archetypal. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. I think that's actually uh, might be on purpose to show what it looks like from how pathetic we look from an engineer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like I, I at first I was with everyone else and I was like, yeah, that these characters are just dumb. They're just so like cookie cutter typecast. Like if you just erase most of the crew it would have been an amazing movie um but so many characters were just over the top being like oh i'm this character oh i'm this kind of character um and it was so in your face about it and i was like well maybe that's actually the point it's that like this is how dumb and typecast and like cookie cutter what if we are that cookie cutter because we were fucking designed yeah uh and that's yeah um, I, I think that might be giving Ridley Scott too much credit, but I think it's a cool way to watch it. Well, yeah, I, go ahead, go ahead. Well, there's a lot to be said for like the the like art itself being a class of spirit, and the mm-hmm. story wanting to take on the shape that it wants to take on. Absolutely. And that what you just described, the kind of clunky cookie cutter quality of these characters, may not like like that like. I don't know if the writers were doing that as like a statement about like the the feebleness of humanity compared to these, you know, um, higher order engineers. Um, but it might have been something that just emerged from the like from 
the agency of the story itself, like as a spirit. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that it's called Prometheus and Prometheus is, is a deity, right? And I actually did some weird, like, I, I was like, I've, I've never had a Prometheus practice at all. But I was like, I, I started finding myself compelled to pray to Prometheus in contemplating this film. Like, um, and uh, some weird stuff happened. So I was praying for, I, like, I, I prayed for, like, signs and, like, synchronicities. And, like, he, like I got them. Just, and it was, um, and I, I started thinking a lot about the notion about like the idea of a thing being the same as that thing. Like the idea of a person is like part of that person's being. Like even if that person, like somebody else's idea of that person is like, you know, like part of who you are after you die is people's memory of you and, and all that. And like I was thinking about like, well, like Prometheus is a deity whose name is actually on this. <laughs> um who, who like this film bears his name and uh you know he's name checked in the film and uh there's a lot in there that's you know obviously intentional on the part of the writers but i was thinking about that just the idea of like um and i started like i kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole of like narcissism and like thinking of prometheus as a like there's a like at him as like a uh you can kind of see this like overlap between like prometheus and jesus in their in the in the story in their respective stories like there's a very strong overlap but then there's also this overlap with like lucifer mm, yeah and uh pulling the fire pulling the illumination down and he's and he's like also in a, some ways like a, a watcher too right because it's a similar thing like he's bringing he's bringing the ur technology to to humanity mm -hmm. there's there's that quality to it and he gets punished for it yeah and um yeah, yeah. and like and the idea of like uh of a of a, of a god suffering for humanity's sake mm -hmm. um is apparent both prometheus like as in the entity Prometheus and 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 Jesus, and um, that was a thread that I've you know was trying to pull on. I didn't get very far in that. It was just essentially a lot of confusion. Like, and I was saying to you before the record, like we hit record, like the like I kind of identified a lot with Shaw a lot because I've been dealing with like kind of like a bit of a crisis of faith, you know, um, uh, in the last like two months kind of the opposite of a traditional crisis in faith it was more like you know whereas like it was more like like should i even be practicing magic at all should i just go full christian like um and just so i identified a lot with shaw like the idea that she is like this christian who goes and tries to get answers and it just drives her insane because <laughs> that was me for you know is me right now do you have but, david in your bag do i have david in my bag <laughs> <laughs> i have a no i have a, a although a, like a, i got my grandpa and he's in a wheelchair so i have to carry him around sometimes like so that's close <laughs> it is kind of that's close, really kind of, close. <laughs> you know like he doesn't he's not he's not disembodied like he's not a disembodied head but he can't walk so 
sometimes story tells you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, uh, where were we? Yeah, the Prometheus, like, so Prometheus, um, like, there is this, like, real uh, Gnostic question that's posed by the film. Like, it is very Gnostic in and of itself, but it's also, it's not entirely Gnostic, because I almost feel like it kind of shows the, the, because at the same time, it's like, I remember, like, I, I, I rewatched the film last week, and at the end of the, like, I kind of realized at the end of the film, like, Shaw survives, like, she's the, the sole human survivor of the Prometheus crew. And it's like, she survived, like, it, it's like, it felt like it was the hand of God that saved her. And I kind of realized, like, I kind of feel like that actually was, like, true in the story. Like, I think that that was authorial intent. You know, but didn't they like? How didn't didn't um didn't the next one start off with her like just? Yeah, she's she's, she's dead. dead. That's that's true. Which is yes, and I was actually thinking about how how awful that is. Like it's like she survived all of that. Like she had a, sh like you know she she got like, you know she had to see her husband get cooked in front of her. And then she, uh, you know, had to have like this, just this, she had to have this corrupted horrific child. Yeah. creature ripped out of her. And then, and then a, 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 an alien ship crack, like, like, like uh, falls on her and she survives all of that. And then for, for, she survives all of that just to be killed off screen, which is why I actually, I, I don't consider Alien Covenant um, canon. I actually, I actually <laughs> reject it as canon. I think that's fair. Like, I really, yeah. I really, uh, I, I would have enjoyed Alien Covenant as like a standalone that had nothing to do with any of the Alien movies. To be honest, um, well, this is something that I noticed about Alien Covenant. It's just like I, I, I can't. But I do, I, I do also like the idea of David being the progenitor of these things and the propagator, and like I, I uh, he's do, the, he becomes the demiurge. Yeah, like I, do, I do love that. But so, or that, it's not it's not pretty, David anymore, I guess, is it? Oh yeah, it is. That's pretty cool, but like I don't know. I just think that I would have much preferred to see Shaw's story carried on, and like I I think it's yes. like really disrespectful to the character. And I don't think Alien Covenant is covenant like canon because there's some weird shit in Alien Covenant that makes me really do believe that it's literally an elaborate fuck you to to Fox Studios, like because the story of Alien Covenant is basically. Like, this ship like they're trying to like find a new world to terraform and set up a human colony and like so they're on a certain path and so they're going a certain direction and then they veer off that course and then things go wrong Which and is like the story of the movie <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah. for me like Ridley Scott wanted to go with Shaw and find out how all that transpired like yeah, he clearly had like everything in mind. Otherwise, he, she wouldn't have left with David. Like that's like we're going yeah. into the yeah. next film with this story, and that's the one I wanted too. Absolutely. Yeah, and then so like they veer off that, and then like I think Ridley Scott intentionally had that in Covenant in order to, in order to be like, like like it's just very meta in that way. Just like we're on a certain path, we go off the path, and now look, we've we've messed everything up. 
And then there's like, it's like, there's a scene in Alien Covenant where David is playing this, like, like in front of the, uh, in front of Elizabeth Shaw's grave marker. Um, he's playing uh, something on on his uh, on his on this flute, and the music is something that he said that was a. Uh, he said he composed the melody for for Shaw. I think is what he said. But uh, it is literally the theme to Prometheus. Like it's literally the 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 like the 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 main musical theme to the preceding film, and that's really meta. Like that's that wasn't an in-universe. Um, that wasn't an in-universe song in the first film. So it's like very self-referential. So it's almost like Ridley Scott's like grieving for mm. like the film that could have been, you know? Yeah. Like David is like mourning Shaw, um, even though he killed her, but so he's mourning Shaw, he's mourning what could have been. So I kind of think Ridley Scott just find it was just like there's a lot of other things in there that make me think that that's the case. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of don't even think as Alien Covenant as, as canon. In some ways, I don't even think Prometheus is canon. Like, I just kind of like to imagine the, 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 the perfect story that's kind of hidden in there that you can kind of see traces of. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's kind of my view on Covenant. Like, I, so to get back to the idea that, like, I kind of, see the hand of god at play with saving shaw and i think that that was actually like authorial intent and um i think yeah yeah well it's it's funny because there's there's also um the fact that um she has no other option but to go ahead towards the the engineer homeworld because like her ship gets destroyed like every other possibility gets destroyed in the movie um so they well i mean i guess they could have but but it seems like the they the everything is also pointing to her to go towards the engineer right by the end of the movie um like she has no other option but to do that uh so it's 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 an interesting uh, uh it, it ties into what you're saying like it's this idea of like the hand of god coming in <laughs> and adjusting things to where this is the only only way forward yeah like she had some kind of destiny to actually go see this through and and that was like the whole the whole everything about Prometheus was like all the sacrifice and everything yeah led up to like sending her off with david uh to find out and and like yeah it's just so it's just such fucking cold turkey that they just were like oh yeah she's just she said well and then and then also in covenant it's like uh, it's like i can't i can't buy that the the thing that he destroys is the actual like engineer homeworld. like i i it's like they have like one big city on it and he takes them all out at once with uh which is also an incredible scene. It's like the best scene in the movie. Like that weird, like I'm gonna like dropping black goo bombs on everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but it's, like it's like yeah it's definitely an echo of the film that could have been and uh but again i just don't i just can't see alien covenant as a Another, this is another meta thing. It's like in that scene, David has tears coming down his eyes as he destroys them all. Uh-huh. Like, and I literally think that that's yeah. like Ridley saying, like, look what you're making me do. You're making me kill my baby. Like, uh, you know, I, I kind of, right like, yeah, like I, it's like, cause there's no, re- like you don't get any context for why David has tears coming down his eyes. Like, why is he weeping? You know, <laughs> yeah. like there's just no, like there's probably some in-universe reason why, you know, but like it doesn't make sense. Like it's literally, I really do feel like it, Alien Covenant is an elaborate encrypted message saying "fuck you" to Fox Studios. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, and, I mean, and it, many people pointed out that David is basically a stand-in for Ridley Scott, right? Um, so, so that that tracks even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like and he he like brutally kills the uh like a, a lot of people like so it might have been torture porn for him he just trashes you know? the place and gets away scot free scot yeah. free yeah. Uh... and then and then and then it it has the ending of covenant has the bleakest ending of any alien movie where it's yeah. like yeah. everybody is trapped in there with david to be his like experimental playthings, exactly. So it's yeah. uh, and, so and it's, that's, it's, it's like yeah. now I want a sequel. Total victory. <laughs> yeah, I would see a sequel, but like it, it, it would just be. I was joking with Kurt about it's like Alien like, versus Predator territory, though. No, I was <laughs> joking. Point. I have this. I have this horrible. I, 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 I it's not Kurt, horrible. It's genius. <laughs> I have this pitch for like like if he's made to do a third film in that in that series like i kind of, <laughs> i'm gonna see if i can tell it. it's like kind of elaborate but basically the film opens with like it's a flashback and it's a flashback to the engineer homeworld, and it's like this family of engineers and it's like the father is like this like clumsy oaf who's just knocking things over and stuff and the wife is like berating him and sa- says something to the effect of like if you were never the Olympic gold medalist, I would never have married you, and I'm cheating on you. And it's like, just he's just can't, it's just can't catch a break sitcom shit. And then, um, <laughs> and like, he's laughing. like, yeah, and he's despairing, like, his wife's cheating on him, his kids don't respect him, and whatever. And he has like, he just, he just sits down with his head in his hands. And then, then all of a sudden, the horns start blaring, and everybody goes outside, and the ship arrives, and they're all looking up, and uh, <laughs> and so they're all looking up and at this you know ship that hasn't arrived in whatever centuries or whatever and uh then um then the the pods are launched and all that black goo gets dispersed over the over the planet and everybody starts freaking out and running so this guy the this uh this oafish sitcom dad starts running but again he's like the olympic gold medalist so he runs real fast and uh <laughs> and he's on the outskirts of town so the black goo is like permutating everywhere and grabbing people and like but he just keeps running and like the thing like is starting to catch up the black cloud is starting to catch up to him and he just runs just high knee sprinting and he runs into the forest and then it cuts to black and then it's a title card and it goes alien runner <laughs> 
I don't know if I told that well, but to me, it's like hilarious. Like the idea that he would start. Because <laughs> if he had to do another film, like I could see him starting like with like. Because <laughs> here's what he would do that in response to like, he'd be like, you know, they made him do this film. It's like, no, we need more alien, less engineers, more alien. <laughs> And then, like, he makes this film, Alien Covenant. And then, like, they get feedbacks. Like, we wish we, everybody's like, we wish we saw more of the engineers. And <laughs> yeah. the executives would be like, we want more. We want, hey, Alien Covenant, you know, was all right, but they want more engineers now. Can you make more engineers? <laughs> I know you killed them all, but we need more engineers. <laughs> and then I just feel like he would start with that. This sole survivor. <laughs> <coughs> so the uh <laughs> yeah so that's my pitch for a third uh prometheus film <laughs> I, I like the idea just it's just like some normal like buddy cop movie on on the engineer's planet and nothing else happens it's just we want yeah. more engineers and it's like okay and it's just some and then- stupid buddy cop movie <laughs> It's and it's the runner. It's the it's that one engineer who survives, and uh, and and Danny McBride's character. They, it's it's essentially Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like they team up to defeat David and uh, or something. I don't know. So I think uh, I was thinking about it in the the scene in the very beginning of Prometheus. I think I've always just assumed that that's uh, that's Earth. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason, there the the whoever they had growing on Earth before us, they decided to flush that experiment because then when it shows like the DNA wash into the water, like I just imagine that being like the beginning of what becomes human life somehow uh because i think we you know probably most of the way that we have history and and the evolution of life left life uh mapped out is it's probably wrong but um yeah i mean like and again that goes back to what is feels so it's so eerily evocative that that opening scene and it's like an, an ancient alien theory itself is extremely evocative and and feels kind of true on some level like there's something weird like it's all these weird mass extinctions that we've that 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 are apparent in the fossil record you know and like you know i i i've looked into like the idea like john brandenburg's work about like mars being nuked like the idea that there's evidence of of a civilization on mars (laughs) that appears to have been nuked twice like it appears that there were two nuclear detonations on Mars. Um, and there's like, you know, you can see in some of the photos, like architecture on Mars. Like, so it's very, it's, it, there's something just so eerie and compelling about ancient alien theory. And like, and like you know, there's like, there's, there's rumors that Ridley Scott is like apparently involved in like like an alien channeling group or something where they like do like 
I'm not I'm not entirely sure about it. I don't know all the details. And it's just vague but rumors. That wouldn't surprise me at all because the the original like group that's that were contacting the nine, um, half of those people like ended up in Silicon Valley developing technology we all use now. Yeah. The other half ended up writing for Star Trek. Which yeah. also inspired the technology. Like that we're developing now so there's it's uh can you uh yeah. i only only know like peripherally about that what like what can you can you give like a like summary a little bit of what the nine was it was a was it a channeling group that then they what was it they 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 believe they were in contact with these nine beings that were in like a satellite or some shit above the earth like what was the story with that i don't remember can you uh, elaborate, Jack, or are you are you familiar? I'm not super familiar. I actually don't know that much about it, to be honest. I know a okay. bit about like there were allegedly uh, these people channeling these like nine entities, like nine like physical like extraterrestrial entities. I'm not and, positive like, that they were. Yeah, I'm not positive that they were physical, but I know that yeah, there were there were nine. And uh, it was it was just this group of I think they were more like kind of higher society people, and I'm pretty sure they were meeting up around Lovecraft Country, which brings that back around. Mm. Um, I know around it Lovecraft was what around Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Like I know it was around New England. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in that area. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I could be wrong. It could have been south of New York, but I think it was more up in that area. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I'm not sure that they were physical. I don't remember. It, but I, I, it's been a long time since I read Lavenda. But like, is that the origin of the story? Is in Lavenda's Peter Lavenda's work? Peter Lavenda uh, wrote about it. He has a lot of documents. Uh, I forget how the Nine story comes comes through him. But a lot of his like quote unquote conspiracy stuff is just like here are these documents that I've copies of. Um, yeah, and, Peter Lavenda was like kind of part of that like weird propaganda arm that Tom DeLong seemed to be um, a spokesperson for you know <laughs> like uh, he was like involved in whatever like he was kind of at least peripherally involved in whatever that weird disclosure project was you know uh, yeah, I believe so I think like Lovecraft Code was was published under a company that was um, at least peripherally connected to Tom DeLonge and that whole like weird program. The Stars Academy or whatever the hell that's called. Yeah, controlled disclosure, whatever the fuck that was. And, you know, Gordon talked about, I was listening to some stuff, Gordon talked about like how that is something that was, they were originally going to go. And it's very interesting, actually. <laughs> There's a weird way in which like, he was talking about that being a propaganda campaign that was going to be um that was anticipating a hillary clinton victory mm. and uh un and under her we would have got like some kind of weird ufo disclosure but it would have been like completely farcical but then his, the, the thinking goes is that trump's victory was unexpected so they abandoned that propaganda piece and um uh, which is weird oddly reflective of what we were just saying about like alien covenant being like this weird like a band like you know it's like this original plan was abandoned so we're just going to go in this direction 
Well, hold on. That's interesting. If Slavenda was part of some kind of propaganda campaign, because he wrote the Simon Omicron, which is like the Lovecraft grimoire. Yeah. I mean, and that's an odd, it's weird how all of this ties together because yeah. that's, that goes back to Lovecraft, which goes back to the same area, which we were discussing earlier, um, which goes to the nine, which goes to that area, which goes to the technology, which, yeah, it's all very weird how this conversation's played out to me. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There's a lot there. And believe me, like I was, there's so it's so weird, like when you get like, when you kind of start to see everything as as thoughts and ideas like mm -hmm. even the material world is like thought like and how you're enmeshed in it and how it's like and like because i've had some weird like like again i i said earlier like prometheus has been an interesting contemplative like the film prometheus and um it's been um like i can see how it kind of dovetails with some of the things that i was talking like we were talking earlier about like you know like the reason we we're talking about maine is like you know I come back from Missouri and like, I'm going to move down there. But I had this, like, I decided to like really get tight with Cyprian. Right. And uh, like, cause I came back about 40 days before his uh, feast day. So I was like going to do this like weird, like kind of like a Cyprianic Lent because Cyprian's done a lot for me. Um, and I can see his influence on my life. Like, uh, and certainly has protected me. So I was like, I'm going to get really tight with Cyprian and then go back to the Ozarks and become the dark Pope of the Ozarks. And um, <laughs> then as I like on the very first day of this Cyprianic Lent, I kind of, I came across this Island. Um, like I found this uh, video about this Island called St. Cyprian of Antioch Island. And I'd never seen this video before. So I listen to the video and it's like not a great production. Like the guy does some weird voice modulation to make himself sound all spooky and Halloween, but <laughs> um, it's bananas. Like the history of this island, like it's a, it was, it was a, like, this is pre us. Like it was a French colony and it was founded by some guy named Philostra and um, he, who may have been related to La Philostra, who was one of the members of the, um, uh, she was involved in the affair of the poisons, which um, was this, you know, really big, just like a lot of people in French society were poisoning each other, hiring magicians to conduct black masses, which involved child sacrifice. Like it was, it was really grim, really grim. So there's this notion that this guy who founded this island is connected to that. And so he names his island St. Cyprian or his colony St. Cyprian of Antioch Island. And the island it's just has this just awful history of just um, like not like the people there were apparently very strange and a lot of them died under mysterious circumstances. And uh, I believe it ended up disappearing without a trace. Like nobody knows what happened to the colony, you know, um, or the members of the colony. Um, and, uh, current, like in the modern day, it's called Moose Island. And, uh, so, and I was like, I, I watched this video and I was like, this is bananas. Like, what, what, what is this? Like, it was just crazy. And like, um, and I started looking into the island and uh, it's very hard to find information on the, uh, internet about it. It does, Moose Island has a Wikipedia article and, uh, there's not a whole lot there. 
but there is a pop culture reference uh, where um, in the Superman TV show, I guess from the 60s or 70s, Moose Island was actually referenced and it was referenced as the hometown of Jimmy Olsen's mother. And so this is the second episode of that Superman TV show and it aired on September 26th, which is the feast day of St. Cyprian. So I, my, when I saw that, my jaw dropped and I'm like, this is <laughs> insane. Like, why is this like random like character mentioning like this Moose Island? Like, so there's obviously something there. So I kind of went on this like weird quest to like get to the bottom of that. And so like this, the kind of the 40 days seems to be about contemplating this question or trying to find the answer to like, what, what is the meaning of this, you know? And I did a lot of praying and journeying and, um, you know, and like I could feel like I, I did daily Cyprian prayer. I usually would do them on um, Saturdays, but I would do them daily. And I could feel his presence closer and I could feel him, his influence. And like, I definitely feel like I got a lot more clairvoyant in that period of time. But I also started to feel like the presence of like other saints who I would do novenas to. And uh, I got this sense that they didn't want me talking to Cyprian. Like they were kind of like warning me about him and just, you know, it was, it was pretty intense. And like, um, I got kind of spooked. And then like, I, eventually I started praying to like higher authorities, like God and the Blessed Virgin, like help me find the answer to this. And then I had like this just bananas journey one day where I was like, just saw Cyprian, but then I saw him as Sauron. And then I, I like, <laughs> it, like, and then I saw him as this, there's a Nordic entity whose name I'm afraid to mention, but like, you know, um, you know, uh, essentially uh, there was like this weird Venn diagram overlap between like Cyprian and Sauron and this Nordic entity with one eye, you basically can tell who it is. Um, and I was like, it's like all the, it was like this weird, like big villain reveal. Like it's like, it's all, it's the same entity. And it's like, because all of them are the same entity, they are also the dark, like, they're also the devil right because they overlap in that way and that was just that freaked me out like it freaked me the fuck out and um because i was going to culminate this this thing with like um i was going to do like a big high dose mushroom trip at moose island like on cyprian's feast day because there was actually some interesting astrology like it was so um and I didn't really end up doing that. Uh, at, uh, when I say it didn't, I mean, I didn't do it at all. Like, and I kind of came away from it, like kind of burnt out and just kind of like really questioning everything. Like I kind of came away from it, like, you know, cause Cyprian has done a lot of good for me for sure. Like, and I can, you know, and you know, uh, you, you've mentioned Rev, like the idea of like, he will guide you to make choices like he'll seem to go away, but like he's actually influencing your life and, and like making you, directing you to study an area of magic that he wants you to study and that you should be studying for like a whole year. And I can, I, I, I can see that him kind of doing that with me with astrology, it seems. Um, and, uh, but then like this whole experience really kind of spooked me, like really just thoroughly kind of shook me. And uh, I found, 
And so I was contemplating Prometheus and I kind of saw a lot of myself in Shaw, like in Elizabeth Shaw, because she's like this person who's just like, I kind of saw like, you know, she's just all, you know, glowy eyed and just like, yeah, we're going to find out why, uh, why, why, why God made us. It's like me coming back home from uh, the Ozarks and like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to get to the bottom. Like, I'm going to get tight with Cyprian. And then it just kind of just goes just kind of goes off from there and it was just like like a lot of like crazy scary stuff and by the end of it it's like you know this shaw is just you know really you know left with like almost nothing except david and a ship and uh like but still carries on and then like the the the, the commonality with like Christianity, like she still kept her faith throughout all that, you know? Um, so I just mentioned that just because uh, like the idea of like Prometheus and like kind of over, like connecting to Lavenda and connecting to the nine and like all this other stuff. Um, like there is a weird like, synchro like synchronous interconnectivity here, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not like it could, it's not necessarily all just like some, like uh, directed by some uh, monolithic power that's like using Prometheus as a campaign, like a part of a propaganda campaign or Lavenda wrote Simon. Like it's, there's obviously like spiritual influences that are like directing and interconnecting and, um, you know, because it's not like, it's not like, um, uh, like Klaus Schwab directed me to watch Prometheus in 2012, <laughs> and then have a Cyprian practice, and then like, and then go to the Ozarks. Like, there is like things that have their own agency, that kind of tie together. But yeah, I just, um, it is quite interesting. And um, that's kind of the long and short of, yeah. Like, that's and it's just interesting that I mentioned to want to do Prometheus like, like a like a while ago, and then like the timing of doing it now is interesting, you know, because it's like after Cyprian's feast day, and uh, you know, <laughs> kind of feel that, and I kind of feel guilty about saying all that because I'm not trying to say bad things about Cyprian, like you know, because I, I don't like, but. Perhaps he intentionally spooked me because like, you know, maybe he is inviting me to like actually go with like delve into Christianity and stuff and like kind of have an answer to Gnosticism because Gnosticism is a serious question. It's like, why is the, um, you know, why does the God of the Old Testament um, tell Moses to go into Egypt and Moses says, okay. And then later that night, God comes into the inn where he's staying and, and tries to kill him. <laughs> like, just arbitrary, weird stuff. And it's like, um, and it's, yeah, so like, it's, uh, yeah, I just mentioned all that because it is very reflective of like kind of my current crisis of faith. And, um, well, I, I, yeah, I appreciate you sharing this stuff. And like, I, um, couple things I'd like to say, like, um, just based on my own practice and those of friends, um, 
there's something he's, he's definitely very saturnian tough teacher you know um in a way and yeah often he's very, kind of like jordan peterson if he were a skeleton and didn't talk much at all <laughs> yeah uh and and yeah and didn't use twitter god um, <laughs> just just stay off twitter jordan um yeah but uh so he's a saint of the darkness and then the light in that order and and the function of that in my experience works has worked similarly to say i mean along with other spirits who have helped me along with this stuff but what 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 i'm hearing from you is this uh, sort of demonic stuff being like Ooh, yeah, I don't know. And that's a perfectly normal reaction. However, a saint of light and darkness, I think of the Buddhist monks who will walk around in the jungle having faith in their dharma and like just walk straight by tigers and have no defense against them. And, uh, or the practices of going to the absolutely most haunted graveyard you can find and literally living in it and have someone bring you and you just live there in total terror and fear from the ghosts that have had a violent death and say your mantras or your katas until you develop enough inner stability that the ghosts start moving with you because you're the stronger one. And, and they, they emerge without any fear. And they have no fear left in them. They've eradicated it as a thing. So like, it could be uh, he's pushing you into some kind of like, you want to be invent, you want to be immune to the darkness. You have to like crawl up in it and understand it a little bit, and at least like face the terror in certain ways. I think there could be some of that going on there. Um, but that's purely speculation, and I don't want to guide your experience. But um, but sometimes I think the lessons are less thinky or less theological, and more like impact on your consciousness and on your state of being. And like, how is this going to mold you into being? Uh, is it going to mold you into being like easier for you to be in the world? Uh, and I, I find that that's the fun thing is that you mo most of the time I, I don't see the lessons coming. Like I don't I don't see it until I look back and I'm like, that was you. Fuck. <laughs> um, and at the yeah. same time that I like grit my teeth and I'm like, ah, thank you, <laughs> and mean it. Yeah. And yeah. And it's um. It's very interesting you say about the idea of like like getting like kind of inoculating yourself against fear because like I've been getting like lately I've been getting a lot of 314 uh, sinks and 314 is a passage in the Bible that reads something to the effect of like as Moses raised the serpent in the desert so too will the son of God be raised up and um, I uh, the inter like basically that's referring to in Moses like they like the the Israel was dealing with a lot of snakes, and uh, God told Moses to 
wrap a snake or uh, an image of a snake around a rod so that the um and then everybody would look at this image and then they would not be poisoned by snakes and um interesting i was actually listening to jordan peterson talk about this about how like that is actually about exposing yourself voluntarily to what you're afraid of mm. um so that you um like they call it exposure therapy like you expose yourself to what you're afraid of gradually uh, to the point where you will no longer be afraid of it um, plus, you're a, plus you're a psychonaut and you do it all at once <laughs> yeah which i've done with like you know i've made some i've had some pretty foolhardy mushroom journeys where um but um so um yeah and I, and like a big part of the thing with that like 40 days of cyprian that i did was like i actually found myself i could definitely feel myself being invited to do almost like this buddhist contemplation of like why why do you eat like why do you breathe like kind of like why are you alive and it's like trying to find myself a purpose like and like I, and like also like having an answer for death like being un, be understanding that i will die one day and um i think in a lot of ways i kind of failed in that regard just because like i didn't really come away with like i think he was inviting me to have an answer for death like to you know, which is possibly why he's inviting me to think about Christianity right now, because of the, um, because he, because like at the end of the day, everybody dies and you need to kind of have an answer for like what happens when you die and how you're going to handle that. Like, how are you going to face death? And I'm pretty afraid of death, to be honest with you. Like, um, no, thank you. Um, so he might have been intentionally exposing me to all this like ghoulish image his, his like darker uh side just because he wants me to think about what um like you know think things through a bit you know yeah because like i was just going to do this like just insane like you know five or ten gram mushroom trip on an island with a dubious history um and like i don't know i've come away from it this whole experience like kind of uncertain about things but in some sense like much more like i kind of am very interested in the gnostic question that's what i feel like i'm being pulled towards now is like figuring out like whether or not gnosticism is a heresy and if like Christianity is, is like something that I should perhaps dedicate myself to. Because at the end of the day in St. Cyprian's story, like he, I'm sorry, there's like a van driving by making horrible noise. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, like Cyprian in his story, like his origin story is that he was a pagan sorcerer and he gave it all up to become a Christian and he ends up getting martyred for it. Um, so I could kind of see echoes of that um, in my experience. Like, it's like, maybe it is time for me to give up all that, hmm. you know? Interesting. So it's hard yeah, to say. I, I mean, I, think I just following, uh, following the questions, following whatever moves for you is 
the right way to work with St. Cyprian in my opinion, because it's like, it's such a personal journey that there, there is no right way. Like I'll never stop doing magic because I believe that magic is part of the correct way that humans should be engaging in the world, but not, not in the gimme gimme way that a lot of Westerners uh, see magic, right? I'm yeah. like, lately I have one foot in a Buddhist stream because I'm like practicing Thai cults and uh, the way that I am pulling what I'm learning the lessons from there into like how it could be and looking for analogs for those things in the West. Um, Cause I really want, I think it's really important. We're missing a lot. We're missing a lot of technology. Like, like the meditations on death in Buddhism where they, they watch a, a body decompose from start to finish. And I mean like bones to dust. Um, like that's, that eradicates fear of death. Uh, that 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 puts you into a good uh, relationship with death because you have a long time to contemplate and to face it and to recognize you can't ex escape it and eventually accept it and just carry on. But they, there's also, I think, a lot of good medicine in if, if you have, uh, I know it was for me anyway, um, having concerns about afterlife, uh, looking to a broad spectrum of cultures that are not your own and not to practice them, but ones that are like very far removed from you, you know, and just, just looking mm -hmm. into them lightly, looking into their, their metaphysics of afterlife and how their ancestral practices look and just getting a huge, as, as big of a palette as you can. Um, because that for me, it, you kind of then find the average and then you kind of look at you can look throughout like there's a lot going on with Christianity, right? Like, so there's a lot of hardcore necromancy in the Thai cult, and I really love that stuff. Like my heart, like because they're they're actually doing a service for the dead uh, and the living at the same time, and uh, they're in early Christianity. Like the the Christians were sleeping in graveyards and taking body parts home. And when, when you see how much power is actually in those things with these amulets that are made with, you know, necromantic materia, um, you realize that also uh, there's, there's all these things like they have the concept of merit, right? Merit is like a spiritual currency you can offer to ghosts so that their, their next life will be better when they reincarnate again. Mm -hmm. um, and they've, they're either stuck because they died violently or they chose to stick around to earn more merit. Um, well, really they're, they're all violent or premature deaths for, for the end because they're, they die with like potential life left in them. But then in order to reincarnate in a better way, they have ways of affecting the world as a ghost that are positive. And then you in turn do a good deed and offer it to them, which, gives them a better reincarnation. So if I, if you look at something like that and then you look at like early Christianity had hardcore necromancy and then the concept of merit exists in Catholicism. It's just like, it isn't taken as far as being something you can offer to spirits, but I've taken that concept and then offered merit to my ancestors and to St. Cyprian and to like done a good deed in their name as opposed to offering to a charity something do something a kindness that actually affects one person and just like makes their day in honor of a spirit that you work with 
and it's it's amazing. Like it, they light up. Like you sit down at the altar and you think of the thing, and then you tell them it's you did it in their honor, and it like it just beams. Like the whole altar shines, and it's it's staggering to me that like we don't we don't have language for that. But so like it's the same thing to me with the serious lack of um, conversation and and just general uh, broad spectrum understanding of like what other people uh, see death as and how they see the, the mechanics of life and death if it's a cycle or what it usually seems to be a cycle but some like some cultures don't believe in reincarnation um, mm. but it's it's kind of I mean theology is kind of a theology is kind of a mess Christian theology so you can kind of cherry pick whatever works for you <laughs> to be honest like just looking through and and honestly like my my jailbreak was just okay all the spirits are real but all the ideologies are man-made right like the bible is a book of stuff you can take any number of ways and people have and will and do and they always will right like mm. um so why should we be any different so like and like my angels when, when i put on a thai talisman that's considered like a higher being and then i put on a michael talisman that i made they react to each other and they they with with joy like they they're both angels you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. um so to me it's just one world that doesn't mean i have the right to go like walk into some other tradition and start talking to those just like i would walk into another neighborhood and bang on some rando's door but um, unless I want to get like shot or cops called, but um, but there's something about the even if not practicing, just looking into like quite a few other things and just get like this, and then put it in a blender and then like drink it and see how you feel <laughs> with all that stuff inside, <laughs> and then like whatever comes out of that can be your own framework and it doesn't have to actually match the church or anyone else's. Um, it can if if that's but but you can still go to church you can still participate in all the the churchly things and keep the general like precepts but have vastly different metaphysics like that's okay mm -hmm. too yeah um and it's something that i feel like it's a question i need to answer and i do think because i've actually felt unsure about all that and maybe this is potentially like deep programming on my own part you know being from a young age raised christian um and it might be and like i just think it's still there and uh yeah i think cyprian was like really bringing that to the fore and help he i think he he wants me to have a coherent spirituality one where i won't feel like even an unconscious guilt practicing yeah 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 that's that's beautiful i i think that's a beautiful interpretation because there's something about that purity of like princess in the pea. You go, you go to do the thing and there's like a, a rock in the stream and you can feel it like something distracting or holding you back. And then, and then there's like, maybe that begins this process of uh, clearing that out. Or maybe you come around to like deciding that you don't practicing isn't for you and it ended like such an active way. And like, yeah, either thing is okay. And in my opinion, either thing is, the way Saint Cyprian works, because I think he just leads everyone to whatever their like their thing is, and slowly helps them uncover that. 
Yeah. And that was actually something that kind of at the end of it, I kind of felt like he kind of wants me to go away and think about what it is I actually want. Mm. You know, like he kind of was like, what do you actually want? Because uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like a, like it's like, you know, there's a big thing with magic, like doing what works. And it's like, you know, my life got kind of just structured around these like daily routine, ritual routines or routine rituals. And it's like, Lately, I've been pulling back a bit from it all and like trying to see like what actually works and uh, like how, how different is my day when I don't do a daily prayer, like, like um, over one of the planetary slash angel prayers, you know, it's like, um, but yeah, that's very interesting and that's very well put. I have, I mean, I haven't thought about that. So you're saying like, like the idea of making notes like uh, say a prayer, gauge how your day feels, and then like, don't do it, like do that for a while and then don't, and see how it, it's different. It's, it's kinda, yeah, like kinda, like I was, I, I kind of pulled back from it all a bit. Like um, I've been, I brought back the Heptameron prayers. Um, oh, but, okay. uh, I, I see what I, you're saying. I, I thought you meant like as a, as like an experiment to see like if it was making a difference, like to, to like write down or something and then compare notes later. It's not exactly an experiment in the sense, it's like I am kind it's of like- It's just a natural like tide. Yeah, like I, I am like like kind of like wondering like, well, how different is my day? Like if I, you know, like if I do the prayer and then like I want to go and buy groceries, you know, I, I'll go and buy groceries and that'll be successful. But it's like, if I don't do the prayer, will something happen to me if I don't? <laughs> it's like it's, I, man, it's, it's only not, been like this past year that i've gotten over that shit like it's, yeah it's, it's really took me a long time to stop it's been kind of recently with a few of my spirits that, that i stopped worrying about like are they gonna be annoyed or am i gonna are they gonna like walk out on me if i no like chiron armand tweeted this this beautiful thing about like sometimes you need to explore another pantheon for a while and ignore your spirits that you feel close to and like that's okay and they will be there for you when you when you get back and they're not going to be mad at you and i was like this tweet was fucking for me like um i needed it at that exact time and it helped me so much but like yeah um yeah i just I, we put all these these things in in the way ourselves and i think there's all these projected expectations because we're so used to dealing with humans and um and spirits do have needs and and their own unique stuff but like i think we have a tendency to think yeah again i keep returning to like it helps me so much to look at eastern thought because there's this idea of like the gods are just there and like if you don't engage with them they kind of just aren't there and like or they are in a way you just don't notice or it, there's just it's not there's this low pressure feeling of even the, the buddhist precepts are like they're just they're things to keep in mind like even if you knowingly are breaking them every single day single day there's like this understanding emerges of like how uh how they fit into the world and like why they're there and and how that discipline forms um but it's again it's not presented the same way as, as we are taught christianity so we have all these fucking entanglements of expectation and these these thoughts of consequence 
and I, and I think that our parents, like in Christian households, I think the parents largely take on the same sort of parenting role that the Old Testament God does, right? There's this like fear and punishment shit going on. And at least that's definitely how my parents like translated, like if God is this and we created you, it, there's a natural archetypal assumption uh, yeah. of, the, of that God form that they believe in. Uh, and in my case, it was always like, if you don't do this, there would be such terrible. And like to this day, like I can't make plans next fucking week. I can't make plans tomorrow afternoon without suddenly now I'm stressed out until it's done. Like I'm worried I'm going to sleep through it or I'm going to forget and get sidetracked with something research wise. Like, and I'm just going to go like and disappoint people. And then they're going to be mad at me and it's going to hurt. And and like all this shit is just, I put that on my spirits for so long before I realized like it, it just like finally sunk in that that's, they're carrying that burden for me. Like that means my spirits are carrying the burden of, of me being all weird with them all the time. And there's, <laughs> and giving them like this jumbled energy of like, but if I just chill the fuck out and, and say enough prayers that I can stop thinking then they're just kind of like there being like oh thanks for joining us <laughs> but um yeah yeah that's actually really interesting because i'm i'm often bringing some of that jumbled energy into the into the spirit room sometimes and i do feel we all do like yeah you know and they're like kind of like just chill the fuck out and I try very hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. So that's all interesting stuff. I'll have to th- sit with all that. It's, it but. takes so long. Like it takes so fucking. It's like it's so. I I'm just. Most of my life has been just being annoyed by the inside of my own mind, and I think only recently, uh, I've been pulled into the the right practices to fix that, and like I could just like cry with relief every time I think about like how I felt a year ago compared to how I feel now like yeah you know I just I so I I, man yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I I was saying the other day I joked on Twitter that like in the western magic we're like yeah we, we work with our rational mind until we kind of kind of uh, molded into something that can sort of force the world to make sense or force magic to make sense. And then Buddhism is like, we do not negotiate with terrorists. And like, fuck that. We get, we eliminate the rest. We do not give the rational mind that kind of agency over us. Like we, yeah, it put hard no. And, and I think that's, everybody's different, but like, that's apparently what I need. Cause <laughs> Because yeah, fuck thinking. Thinking clouds my mind. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's hard to get over because, like, I don't know. I I'm going through a pretty stressful time right now. I'm in the midst of like moving and like a bunch of other shit happening all at once, and I have a lot of anxiety and fear around this. But like, mm-hmm. when I did the angel walk, one of the things that I got was like, you're held. We have your back you're gonna be fine but it's but still keeping that in mind like it's it's hard to um uh it's hard to just accept that 
you know, um, to accept the fact that things will probably work out for the best. It's just uh, you can't help but deal with the like. I'm not on the other side of it, so it's like it's like living through it is going to be the stressful anxiety ridding component of it. <laughs> And maybe maybe the edges of it is are duller than they used to be, but it's still there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a big. Uh, I don't know. Behaviors are a hard thing to change, you know. But mm -hmm. maybe that's the lesson of Prometheus. Like, Shaw, you just need to chill the fuck out. You should just gone home. You should have <laughs> gone looking for your answers. You should just chilled. And honestly, if you consider Alien Covenant canon she should have just gone home well yeah she should have just gone back to blade runner world and but uh, then we never would have met ripley and my life would have been kind of different i i, I <laughs> well uh yeah but hopefully oh, it's, not, uh, it's not even the same planet though it's not no, even but, the same planet. but, but then yeah. if she hadn't left with david then david never would have made the creatures that oh we oh need that, later. and that logic okay yeah yeah but if it's well, not we don't, Hannah, even, yeah, we don't even know if if dave like if if like what david does has anything to do with um actually generating the xenomorphs yeah because like the xenomorphs are already like uh, you, you see them in the film like you see them in the murals in the on the on that um on that planet um in prometheus like you see at the end of prometheus something that's xeno like xenomorphic appears yeah. like the, um i i guess yeah like, i guess you're right i guess he just had a, a good old time I'd, I'd like to see what he did with that crew like i'd really like to see yeah. <laughs> i, I hope yeah I think it's fun to look at the the like telephone game of genetics that happens throughout this the the course of just those two movies. If you look at like, so we've got engineers who presumably came to Earth, created those one beings, and then left. Then they came back, fed them the ayahuasca-looking stuff, destroyed their their DNA, but some of it survived and left. In my in my in my interpretation. And then humans somehow evolve. And then humans leave the planet. <laughs> and then humans find, yeah, meet up with one of them accidentally and their weapon. And then humans invention, robot, right? <laughs> like makes new ones, which then, yeah, apparently those are the ones, because if he destroyed all the, well, I guess they didn't destroy all the rest. He dropped them all on the fucking planet. So. Yeah, I wonder if they can survive in space. The xenomorphs? Yeah, can yeah, they? they can. At the they end of, of Alien, the very first Alien, it's out trying to get ah, into yeah. Ridley's yeah. escape thing. So yeah, they can be. They'd be doing that. Yeah, um, that's part of their canon for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that 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 means you could literally, like, he could he could have put the black goo on the engineer's planet and then blown the whole planet up and just like populated the universe. With that. <laughs> It's conceivable, like, but again, like, it's like the continuity is like a mess, and I, like, yeah. even with just Prometheus itself, and I do think that he's trying to. I really strongly believe that he did not really want to make an alien prequel, yeah. um, and uh, 
and and like it was there like he could have easily just made that the same thing from um like the same planet that ripley and all that like the same juggernaut like that could have easily they could have easily wrought the story to make it so that it was a clean prequel yeah. they didn't and like it's just there's just so much just probably chaos in in the writing room or whatever and um so I like, feel like so many people are, are cowards when it comes to that stuff like it, it's like we did uh nymphomaniac uh i think that was two last episode or two episodes ago uh and and like the way that Lars von Trier ends things just to like troll you um i i kind of feel like there's something about that that spirit that's in like a lot of things these days like most things where people are like well this is what you'd expect so and so we're going to completely just do something else because that's kind of we want to be an offbeat filmmaker or whatever and it's like there's so much fucking power in actually following through with the thing that someone expects and doing it well or doing it better or doing it slightly different and putting a new spin on it. It just, there's so much more power in that, I think, um, than actually actually sticking with an archetype and making it, yeah, making it good instead of trite. Because it's almost been so long since people have done, I feel like, really honest storytelling unless it's trash like marvel or something you know because that's those are always just cookie cutter storylines yeah and they're getting weirder with like um and talking about like doing weird trolling stuff like they're getting really heavy into like the fourth wall breaking kind of stuff in marvel um yeah like it's it's not just you know i'm not a marvel stand by any means but somehow like years ago i could i i I used to do a comic book cut podcast with uh, two comedian friends of mine yeah, comic and, books uh, are great I, I don't like the the whole like franchise movie bullshit is what I mean. yeah but I have like a kind of global view I don't know for some reason I, I just have like I just I don't know it's like some of my I, a stupid amount of my free time is spent like just scrolling through weird news articles so I have a vague I don't watch She-Hulk but I know what's going on in that show yeah. oh yeah yeah um, yeah. Um, that's like so, like Kurt, Kurt's hooked on this uh, podcast that just complains about the new Lord of the Rings show. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. that the internet is amazing, and I... yeah. <laughs> but like, it's weird. Like, I, there is something eerie. I'm not sure if it's eerie, but there's something. Right, I don't know. They, like, they are getting like some weird fourth wall break. Like, She Hulk breaks the fourth wall, and now they're introduced. Now that Disney has you know for a while now has owned fox and now owns the film rights to x-men like now deadpool is going to be in and that's a fourth wall breaking character mm-hmm. so it's like they're just get and 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 by all accounts all these like marvel films are apparently really schlocky and and dumb and poorly made and uh, i've seen clips of them like their budget is like so fucking off. like they have such high budgets but then these fucking like the special effects are just garbage Mm-hmm. like 100% garbage and I'm not just talking about like the She-Hulk thing which was a big controversy but like all of them like all these films like just have horrible CGI and it's like like the Thor movie had like a 200 million dollar budget and there's like this scene where like some kid appears in the room with Thor and it's like it just looks like something a student filmmaker could do with like no budget 
And it's like, I actually was thinking about it. And I was like, I was kind of feeling guilty about just like, you know, I'm just eating food and I'm just like watching something to space out and I'm watching this and I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is purely useless. But then I thought, actually, this is interesting. Why is this such a high budget production? And it has this horribly just botched CGI scene. And it's like, I started thinking like maybe, maybe they're fun. They're, 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 funneling money out of these productions to fund their like preparations for the collapse <laughs> like, like i actually think that that might actually be what's going on i think a lot of these thought. i think like yeah. like lifeboats stuck to the side of the disney yeah exactly i think a lot of these films like i i would not be surprised if a lot of the money that's being allocated to these films is just going to like you know bunkers and rockets yeah like i i kind of i don't know it's possible or something like that maybe like you know there's all kinds of missing money and shit and you go into like some you know hundreds of trillions of dollars since the i know i know and it's like that's all government stuff but like maybe it's maybe now it's like going into like hollywood and like that kind of thing like like everybody's like i'm sure the private sector has its own black ops you know yeah so which is probably it's, actually just the CIA still somehow. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the NSA. This is a thing I heard a long time ago, which is interesting. It's like, whoa, 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 no, the NSA is cool. Well, well, here's the thing that I heard. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting take. I was listening to a guy who's talking about like in the '60s, you know, the CIA was, uh, you know, toppling, like assassinating south american leaders and installing puppet governments and assassinating our own president like they were doing all that shit the cia um but nobody really heard about the cia nobody was really aware of the cia at that at that point in time i i think i heard uh i think what was it kennedy kennedy said uh, kennedy heard of him <laughs> yeah but um and yeah but i hadn't either <laughs> yeah so well, it's like so there's this notion that like because they they like like they were doing all this stuff and and uh and nobody they were not like a household name the cia and now the cia is like almost like kind of like this uh meme for uh military intelligence corruption and subterfuge and um but like part of things but nobody really listens to the nsa and i think the nsa is actually the 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 much more active arm of the you know the western archons like i think that what they because nobody really talks about them they are highly sophisticated with like like uh surveillance like like internet surveillance and tracking people like i i I wouldn't be surprised if like you know if we have an intact society like a decade or two from now where we can like look back on this stuff like that it turns out that they were the ones doing a lot of this shit like i think that they were responsible for a lot of things probably well i'm not i, think, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if like the actual if, the, if a lot of the new agencies and things that were established and came into being like 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 the nsa got a lot bigger at a certain point in time and I kind of think that it's still CIA. <laughs> I just think that 
the hundreds of trillions of dollars have gone missing. Like I, on top of that, like what they're of course they're they're planted everywhere. Like so, why wouldn't NSA also just be run by them? <laughs> like, yeah, it could be. Uh, it, I, yeah, it's it just just a, just a pet theory of mine that like basically everything is and and even even possibly a. One of our more recent U.S. presidents, as going by uh, one of our one of our friends' theories. Oh, you mean Q? Uh, <laughs> you meet uh, these Q people, man, and like it's oh, straight up. No, no, um, no. I have a friend that actually thinks like like could be Obama was raised. Like he seems like he's possibly CIA, like actually oh. CIA president, and how that would be like this crowning thing. Um, it could be like I actually have always saw like Trump as like an NSA president, oh. um, because he actually said that part of my reasoning for thinking the NSA is actually like the primary uh, culprit of. Sorry, the train. I live by a train station. You're good. <laughs> I like it. Um, is that Trump actually like you know he was really like you know kind of went publicly railed against the CIA and said a whole bunch of like you know talking about taking debt like there's too many pillars in here making a fifth pillar kind of remark and you know but he apparently said some nice things about the nsa so i was kind of wondering if like he was not somehow like propped up by the nsa and um yeah an interesting thing about trump is that apparently um you probably you might know this but like a lot of people see him as like an outsider um and that was part of like I think the op was like making him look like an outsider. Like it was like we finally have somebody who's not from like the political class, yeah, not from a political di- uh, dynasty family. Like, um, but like uh, Nikola Tesla, he went um, you know, he kind of kind of went crazy after his um, you know, that that free energy experiment that like he kind of that didn't work out for him so he kind of went crazy and was making some like he was making he would do like a yearly press conference as as the years went by and he kind of made some pretty ridiculous claims about well no i'm not sure ridiculous but i don't he would just say weird shit like um you know he keeps his mind sharp by by flexing his toes a hundred times a day like he just kind of went i don't know just kind of cooked kind of like me now after the 40 days of suffering like i kind of like just kind of cooked like kind of lost purpose so he just kind of i don't know but like he he started making claims about like he invented a death ray that the russians were interested in so um i believe he said this sometime before he died might have been shortly before he died but in any case when he died the fbi actually raided his apartment and they were looking for because you know if he's talking about you know prospective buyers of death rays in uh you know other uh uh selling stuff to our enemies like they raided his apartment to look for stuff about that and um they found papers and the person they gave the papers to was a man named john trump who is actually donald trump's grandfather Interesting. So, yeah. Did you ever, uh, a couple things. Um, uh, so, 
first of all, Lynn McTaggart talked about remote viewing spying on the Russians in a Rune Soup episode. Mm -hmm. And he saw the death ray. So the Russians. You mean, you mean, um, you mean uh, Lynn Buchanan? You said Lynn McTaggart? Or are you talking uh, about Lynn Buchanan? Does the, whichever one does the remote viewing thing. Yeah, Lynn Buchanan. Okay. Yeah, Lynn McTaggart is the power of eight. Oh right, okay. that's why that is more fresh in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. So they, that dude saw a death ray, um, which is pretty interesting. And then I forgot the other thing I was going to say because I don't know what we were talking about now. Uh, Trump oh. and getting necklaces. Oh, yeah. and did you ever hear about the Trump um, that story about? Like that was written, I think it was in the early 20th century or early, early 1900. Yeah. Like it was it's something about, it's something about like, it basically is this weird prophecy for Donald Trump. Uh, I, I vaguely remember, the books, I vaguely the remember books. this. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it's interesting where we're standing now. Like that was the last president before all the shit started hitting the fan. So like that book was this weird upwelling of prophecy. Because it yeah, talks uh, about that guy like bringing about some shit in the books, doesn't it? Well, there's like, there was one author, I forget this person's name, but like he wrote two books or she wrote two books. I forget who this person is. They wrote two books. And one of them was like this like, ch like child's, there might've been more than one story, but it was like the adventures of baron trump or something in the dream world or something yeah and it's about okay. this like overweight kid who always has like a saucy rejoinder for whoever he meets like he can like like he's always got something smart like he's always saying something smart ass to everyone he encounters and um the last president that's what it's called yeah but, not, but there's another yeah this person who wrote this thing about baron trump uh also wrote a book called a novel called the last president and so trump did not feature there was no one named trump in the last president but it is like there is a president and it has something to do with new york and like there's protests against this president in new york in the in the novel and it's like i don't know the particulars about it but yeah i looked into it and um so, and this goes back to like the idea of like Lovecraft being an unconscious channeler, channeler. like it's possible that this person was like, you know, just writing things, coming up with, with uh, um, writing, writing is like you're channeling when you write, even if you're just writing any, like honestly, like I could make the case, I think that like, since the imagination is the spirit world, like any form of writing is in some sense a form of like i don't want to say channeling exactly but you get what i mean like it's like you're dealing with like the collective unconscious whenever you write anything particularly mm -hmm. fiction yeah so no, it's like, i would you, i would i would concur with that i i would think that yeah. it's, it's there's a gradient of what degree you're engaging with it but you're in all in some sense always engaging with it yeah like um you know if uh if I think about what I ate for lunch yesterday, I'm journeying. <laughs> and that's a little, that might sound a bit silly, but I, I, it's like, you get what I mean. So it's like, yeah. this person yeah. is just like trans, like obviously whatever area of the imaginal this person was writing in, it 
may have been slightly precognitive, you know, um, and not, and I do think there's like, obviously there is like weird, like predictive programming or ritual signaling stuff that goes on in like the media, like for sure. Like I'm not that discounting that. Um, they absolutely will put things in to like either tell you like, oh my goodness, the dark crystal. If you guys ever, I, I don't know, the TV series, the Netflix series of the dark crystal, that is some straight up, like it's, it's literally about, it was put out in like 2019 and it's about 2020. Like it's got COVID, it's got like civil unrest, it's got like, it's like this, it's like it, it the whole thing is like a presage to like an imminent uh, apocalypse. Like it's just worth watching. And it's obviously like, I don't think it's predictive programming as much as it's like, um meant to uh it was like some weird occult thing like where they're trying to like tell you what they're going to do before they do it mm. and then um it's it's but uh so obviously like that, there's examples yeah like that one show with uh john cusack which show was that i forget what it's called there's a show john cusack that came out like there was one season and then it got canceled and it was like at one, I, there's like a clip you can find that's pretty readily accessible on at least BitChute and shit like that, <laughs> where it's like, um, oh they, yeah, we made a virus, yeah, like, virus yeah, and then and then there's like a comic book that tells the truth about the virus or some shit. Is it that one? I, he's like admitting that they created a virus to like sterilize everyone. Yeah, and that they would use the vaccine to do that, it. Yeah, they used they created the virus to get everyone to take the vaccine so they could sterilize everyone. And it's like, and they're like, oh, that's canceled. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 that's so interesting that like they put it out there and then they like cancel because yeah. like the the, so the, dark, like, the dark crystal one. That's the same thing happened to it. it got, yeah, it, it got canceled. Canceled oh, after. I think season. they wanted that out of the imagination because it's literally. The main character is like he he finds something he he discovers that the Skeksis like he's a gel the main character is a Gelfling he discovers that the Skeksis, who are like this ruling elite class he finds out that they are starting to uh, uh, drain the life essence of of um Gelfling and um, and then he escapes and like the Skeksis issue a warning saying no one must go near him or mind meld with him because you'll get the sickness. He has a sickness and you don't want to catch it. So you need to stay away from him. So it's like the whole, like you have social distancing and dark crystal. Um, and it like people like, I almost want to rewatch it just because I do think it has like, it serves as like potentially a roadmap of the years to come because it does have like civil unrest and, you know, a lot of people talk about like the depopulation agenda and like you know between the series and the film dark crystal there is a there's like an eradication of the gelfling race like there's only like two of them left at the end mm. um and it's just it's another one of those things i keep like i keep coming back to that term oddly evocative like i do feel that way about um the dark crystal and uh the tv series uh, i should say um but yeah, they just put it out there and then they'll cancel it. And I do believe they actually did something similar with like a show called Jericho. I never watched it, but apparently it takes place in like a post-apocalyptic, uh, um, not post-apocalyptic, but like a, um, 
it takes place in a um uh like there's been a nuclear strike or something i don't know i never watched jericho but apparently i remember reading somebody say like they canceled it right when it was showing the the solution to the problem or something i forget <laughs> i forget exactly i never watched them i'm talking out of my element here but apparently it was like the show is building up to like what to do in the face of like a ruling tyrannical class or whatever and then they just cancel it well that's like uh the oa was like on netflix i didn't see the second season the first season is basically you can do things with your consciousness and affect reality by dance yeah. and singing and chanting and being with others in ritual <laughs> it's like yeah now we're gonna push fucking kibosh that <laughs> we don't want yeah. that message getting out there too much yeah it's um it's very uh and it almost it reminds me of Prometheus itself. Like Prometheus, like had this, like it was going somewhere. It was going somewhere so cool, like so interesting. And and they just don't, and and we'll never get that story. Like um, it was almost like we were getting too close to. It's almost like they just wanted you to think about that question. I mean, this is something we haven't discussed, but like, the idea of like Prometheus as like some kind of you know propaganda thing um because there was certainly and perhaps to some like still is to some extent like this agenda for ufo disclosure like that probably will happen and it'll just be a lot of bullshit like covering up like the unveiling of highly advanced weaponry but whatever. Um, yeah, I'm curious if we actually see that stuff happen. Uh, or and if they, it's and all they... just hocus pocus bullshit and we're still stuck in like 1990s tech. <laughs> That's a good point. And I often wonder about that. Like, about like, you know. We haven't for... gotten any drops lately. So it hasn't gotten any further. Like, um, yeah. like Chris Knowles talks about a lot. Yeah. I gotta, I, I could probably get my hands on Chris Knowles. I don't mean that in a violent way. Like I live in New Jersey currently and I was actually thinking about, I actually met him in Mexico and I was actually gonna go, um, I, 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 he and I kind of had some rapport. So I was thinking about talking to him. Very cool. Having a nice phoneless walk in the park. No phones. Tell me, tell me the truth. Tell me what you can't say. <laughs> tell me what you can't say. Cause you, you spit fire. Now spit, now we got no phones. Tell me. That would be that would be a good conversation to have. <laughs> At which point he just like pulls off his fucking face and it's just like he's like some and he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should. <laughs> <laughs> <Zing>. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't. You just it was just there. It was just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so he's just a the, giant yamaka that's what it is he just pulls off yeah. his face and it's just a giant yamaka okay. <laughs> yeah top forward um but uh yeah so like i do feel like um prometheus like was an example there's this weird frustrating and it, i kind of there's something i always come back to when it comes to like thinking about what's the term of like like what to do in the world in the face of like you know i'll use the archons for want of a better term but uh 
whenever I contemplate like what the solution is to like the world's problems and what we're going to do in the face of like these, you know, really just diabolical, you know, people who are running the world into the ground and the spiritual forces behind them. And I always come back to this notion that it's like, it's all up to you. Like it's all up to you as an individual and me, like, like I'm referring to myself. Like it's like, it's kind of like the world is shit because I'm shit. Right. Like the world is shit because I haven't like sorted myself out and I'm like, you know, because the world, like the society is just a bunch of individuals, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I'm often, and then like, I kind of can see an echo of that. I'm hoping I'm not making too like vague of a point here, but it's like with these films or, and series that get canceled or like steer away from like, like in the case of Prometheus, it's like, mm. we're getting to the, it's like Ridley Scott seemed like he was going to give us this really cool answer to like, or, or take on like, you know, ancient alien theory and um, origins of humanity. But then it's like, nope, nope, we kill them. We kill Shaw off screen. We kill the engineers in a flashback. And uh, here, here's your Xenomorph. And it's like, and then Dark Crystal gets canceled after one season and this John Cusack thing. Um, so it's like, it kind of, it's like, it, it, I guess to make it about Prometheus, it's like, it's kind of like, I like to think about the film that could have been, you know? And it's like, and I like to contemplate the like the truth of it and like where it actually like, like what is true about for me, like what is true about ancient alien theory and all that stuff. It's like, that's really interesting stuff. And it's like, I don't need to just necessarily be like, you know, some nerd who's, you know, demanding that I get a coherent sequel to Prometheus. Um, but like, you know, there's a way in which I can just like contemplate that question and have an answer for it myself. You know, because it's a real question. Um, but like, I have to kind of complete it, which is why I liked Lost a lot, because I enjoyed the speculation, like I enjoyed it. And then, and then Lost was ultimately like a huge letdown, like a huge colossal letdown. Like if anybody's listening to this and wants to watch Lost, like stop watching it after season four. And then because the rest of this like season five is like is this show shit and then season six is like yep yep (laughs) (laughs) but i just but that it's like yeah like coming back i don't i guess the point i'm trying to make is like there is like and this is the thing gordon talks about it's like we we are in creation to complete it like we are we are participating in the in the fulfillment of creation you know because like i do think there was like a uh like we have to participate in whatever we want to happen particularly in like with the collapses coming like it's like it's it's like there's this like it is really positively sinful to just be sitting around and just think like you know the trust that you know that the food supply is going to hold out and if it does become problematic that the government is just going to give you rations or whatever like or on the other side like people just think that like you know the q people are just thinking that trump's going to come back and just on a white horse and save us yeah like i uh, I mean i mean you might get rations but it's not going to be anything that's actually good for you (laughs) no yeah you're going to get that weird breast cancer meat that bill gates is making (laughs) that was perhaps an unfortunate metaphor 
<laughs> well, apparently, uh, I heard um, recently that they're the all the the like fake meat and fake meat industry stuff is starting to tank. Like the people are starting yeah. to pull out and stuff. So that's that's fun. That should that's a nice wrench in the plans. I heard that the CEO of Beyond Meat got into a fight with somebody in a parking lot and bit the other guy's nose off. Yeah. Yeah. Is that did that happen? That did happen from what I understand. Oh yeah. nice. That's beautiful. He yeah. That's, yeah, what's wrong? What's wrong with with your Impossible Burger? Why do you have to eat this guy's nose? That's like he was, like, was nutrient starved. You know, you could. I yeah. think maybe. Well, I've, I've actually. <laughs> I know this sounds fucking crazy, but I've, I've heard of like people just losing their shit more in the last few months than ever before in my life. Of people just like completely flipping out for no reason. Um, yeah. And so, like, where where I live in Denmark is like the nearest city is a small it's small like it's and there's like no crime like there's like no crime there and like today my wife was at a work thing and like while she's indoors they see people like outside walking around the building and they're putting caution tape around the building they're in and like they go to go outside and there's like tape around the door so they have to like duck and get out and someone had been stabbed just right outside and they were meeting in a church. <laughs> like someone got stabbed right outside a church and died in a town that is no fucking crime. And like, there's just, I've just heard so many weird little one-off like tidbits and it might just be weird coincidence, but I'm just like, are people actually losing their minds? Like are, are people just going fucking crazy? And if so, I'd like to know why. Well, I, 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 I think that it's, I think everybody knows what's coming. Like everybody knows what's coming and people have become so addicted to comfort that they don't want to, that they, they, they're willfully blind about it and being willfully blind, like suppresses it and buries it. And it, it's, it doesn't go away. Like it just becomes this source of chronic tension. Um, and um, it probably explodes in a, like in these episodes like to some extent like maybe with this guy who stabbed somebody but there's a lot of that going on i think um and uh there's also like there's also i don't for me it's just been kind of a little bit of ennui and depression you know because i've been having to juggle this weird crisis of faith and magic and whatever and then like i'm also like dealing with like like an apocalypse and like for me it's just been a lot of sleepy sleepy time so i like laying down like yesterday i just laid down for like three hours i didn't sleep i was just laying there just like resting like i need to rest i love that um that's beautiful Did, have you ever read um any of peter kingsley's stuff about like the ancient greeks and before they were greeks and like how they practice um they would practice like going into a cave or somewhere and just lay down and fast and just do that for a really long time. And it's, it was essentially their, their psychedelia. Uh, oh, I'm not exactly having psychedelics like experience. I am doing this as like, basically I'm a big fat baby who just wants to lie down. <laughs> but just, I, I think there's something really, really magical about that. Like they're, 
because I've found the times where I lay there and don't sleep, sometimes I feel more rested than if I actually slept, if I lay still. Um, I think there's something energetically that you're doing. And it might just be mindfulness, just like, or lack thereof. I don't know. There's something about it, though. It, it does things. Yeah, there's, I, I, there, yeah, there's kind of a reset that'll happen if you just, because it allows you yeah. to calm down and yeah. Yeah, I call it my glam nap. <laughs> like, I just need a glam nap. Like, I went to a show last night, and uh, I just wanted to lie down so that I didn't look quite so tired. But, you know, I just feel like... Uh, yeah, like it, it has. I've just been. I guess it's just depression. It's probably a manifestation of depression, which is not a familiar beast to me. Mm. I'm much more of an anxiety cat. Yeah, same. But, uh, well, yeah, I guess I've gone back and forth at times. But. Yeah, but lately I've just been kind of just rudderless. But that's how I feel like what you're talking about is like people going crazy. Like it is like people know what's happening and they don't want to address it. And that leads to problems. And it's I almost that, like uh, like if the angels might appear horrifying if you don't accept their their existence or their place in the world, then like the apocalypse certainly will if you don't accept its place. <laughs> that's a very interesting point. Like I re that's very interesting. Yeah, like the angels will appear as Lovecraftian monstrosities if you don't. Yeah, and then they. Um, I mean, but if you can't if you can't handle like that then like something that is actually awful like it takes a lot to wrap your head around the fact that all the the shit that's gonna all the like ugly things that are about to happen in the world are so that we collectively learn some lessons and don't have to repeat them again uh is i think what's happening and because i'm not a cynic and i'm not a nihilist and Like, well, that's interesting yeah go ahead. go ahead well it's just maybe that's why i'm seeing cyprian as this like ghoulish almost satanic figure in some of my journeys like you know because he's, brain, he's uh, yeah yeah there's like this weird way in which he's like, like i don't know maybe he, he's like and he may have done that intentionally like he really turned up that i don't know if he turned it up but the spooky got turned up a lot mm with him and i was always kind of like you know I, I treated him with like a healthy respect which he seems to appreciate or 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 uh like and um so um there was always like a kind of and i did would uh, i don't know i like he often shows up as like there's a lot of gothic kind of like quality to his uh to the imagery i get when i you know uh journey or devote time to listening prayer with Cyprian. So, um, and it was sometimes kind of spooky and sometimes less so, but late, like the last month it's just been, yeah, like, and it may be because of that unwillingness to accept death, because that's why he just shows up as like a skeleton. And you know, and like, sometimes he is like, just like a skeleton, like dressed up as a bishop. Like, and in some of my recent encounters with him, and I do have a skull on that's, this altar. That's funny so like, that you're afraid of death and he's showing up as a memento mori. That's, yeah. And um, precisely. And um, yeah, so that might have been 
precisely why I was like experiencing all that stuff. Cause he's kind of, you know, like, you know, there's a goth kind of quality to him from what I've experienced. It's like, he's just, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah. that's consistent. Yeah. 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 I, I get that. And I get, there are times where I get full on just the Bishop side, but, um, but there are yeah. times where I get like face painted white, like a skull and like, let's do some necromancy. <laughs> He he yeah. weirdly um he weirdly will sometimes like more I because of the detritus of my mind he will kind of morph into Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China a little bit because because <laughs> it's because it's almost what he looks like in a weird way. Like, well, I, I feel um I feel I feel certain commonalities in his character with two of the the Lercy I that I have amulets for, which are they're like the the Rusi. Um, they're pre-Buddhist wandering masters that ascended, and they they kind of they're kind of like they're sort of like the equivalent of our like old saints. Like if you had like a new saint that was more recently dead and you knew for sure they were like a real person and their story were real. But I'm thinking like the old ones where it's they're like in the golden legend and shit. Like that's kind of how I think of our the closest thing I could explain in our world. Um, but like Leslie Porgay is believed to partly be a, like a manifestation of uh, I forget which god but he shoots you know lightning out of his third eye and he's the transmitter of knowledge to the world and people who work with them like the magicians that work with them a lot it's like or who they would say like who praise him, have faith in him, like are uh, they use him for channeling, or they work with him for channeling and for doing sakyant tattoo, magic tattoos. So like there's this interesting um, transmitting knowledge to the world. It's very Jupiterian sort of thing. Um, but he like the vibes I get from him are very much the teacher in Kill Bill, like her master. Like 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 very over the top in presence, but not not quite as uh, flamboyant as that guy. But just that's the kind of old master vibes I get. Like the one the kind of like fuck with you without smiling in a way that makes you lose your shit laughing. Like that's kind of how I feel. And then there's another one. Um, are you, I'm sorry to interject, but yeah. you're talking about who are you describing just then? Cyprian or this uh, this listener? I just wanted uh, to point out that the idea that he's a transmitter of wisdom like that uh, ties back into the Prometheus line like um, I don't know if that was something you were intentionally bringing up but no. like I, 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 I feel like that is interesting that, well and lightning is literally like lightning comes out of his third eye and that's literally the way that fire comes to earth what's well, mm. what's well, also funny because you, uh, that that's uh, in Kill Bill that's Pi May who there's uh who was like a, he was a stock character in a lot of like Hong Kong kung fu movies, mm. um and there he had, there's actually a martial arts style based on him. He was like a real character, real person. Oh, supposedly. Uh, I forget all the details from him. I think Pai May might mean like long brows or something. I I can't remember. <laughs> um, but but yeah, he he's like he was a famous um. He's often used as a villain, I think, in care in 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 kung fu movies. Hmm. Uh, but he was like this invisible warrior. Huh. 
It was it was known, yeah, pie, pie, white 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 brow style or something. I forget. I, I can't remember the details. White brow. Like it's style. like a lot of like acting like you're caressing your eyebrows. <laughs> no, it's just when you get into close quarter combat. If you have like really long brows, you can like you know wiggle your eyebrows a lot and tickle the guy and you know get in his eye. Like if you're like in the clinch with them, you can just rub yeah. your eyebrows in his face and it just makes him hard. It's hard to see. If you flicker them a little bit, it's distracting, and you can get in like a low hit. Well, yeah. well, there's uh, there's um, that in Kill Bill that like the whatever the fuck they call it, the heart exploding thing. Yeah, that's that's in that's in a a, a famous kung fu movie. Yeah, where where, sure. where Pai Mei does that to somebody, and then they like his he does that to like two people or something. They stagger away and then fall over and die. Like it's yeah. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, Quentin Tarantino is a pretty good collage artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's so interesting because like there is like, he is like, I don't know, I'm getting like this weird in, like notion about like, because I, I was thinking about Pi May a lot when I heard Copic, Austin Copic talk about Jupiter and Aries is like the he, he used Pi May as like an archetypal reference for that. Oh that's cool. I like that. Yeah. That, that like, actually I, feels right to me for, for Borgay a little bit too. Yeah and like I kind of now starting to see like Jupiter and Aries for me has kind of like Cyprian is kind of occupied like that's how Jupiter and Aries for me is like manifested because like Aries is my seventh house so it's like this kind of stern mm. teacher and like uh um there's a way in which Cyprian has kind of occupied that slot in my chart, Interesting. or my transits, I should say. Um, for and, me, he's definitely very Saturnine. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, but it is interesting to see how like ideas, like I don't know, I was like this weird notion about like the fact that like Pai Mei is like a spirit in some sense, like outside of the, like, you know, he's like this person who appears in all. I didn't know he was like an actual like dude who appeared in like multiple films. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah. I had a thought and I don't want, I just, it's not fully articulated. So I don't want to even, I don't know. I'm just like, well, I don't want to embarrass myself there's any more than like, I have. Um, the other, the other list I have a, the talisman is um Pujao's standing cry and he's got the face of a tiger because he, they were in a contest and they were changing into animals to show each other up and the story goes and and he just got stuck as a tiger in mm -hmm. his face and um but his most common depictions of him are either holding a skull or a book and his whole thing is he controls ghosts. He has dominance over all ghosts. Who and is like, it that you're talking about now? This is a different Lercy. Uh, the other one oh. I have talisman for. His name is, uh, he's called Lucy, or Lercy uh, Pujao Sanning Pride. And he's, yeah. So like face of a tiger. And he's another one of these ascended masters that, that um, assist magicians and, uh, but he, he has a book and a skull. And I'm like, uh, this feels really familiar, you know? Yeah. And, and you and you can and you can you're good at necromancy. 
And, and not only does it control all private, but it controls the knowledge of how to work with, with ghosts. That is very interesting. And uh, yeah, so it's like you're seeing the archetypal shape. Because like this is something that I got in that, that journey that freaked me out. was where I was like, I saw this Venn diagram overlap. It wasn't quite as like literal as that, but it was like a conceptual Venn diagram overlap between three entities. And it was like, because it's like, it's all the same archetype. But it's like, I can, now we're talking about other iterations of that archetype. So well, at least part of, part of them overlap. And that's the thing is, I think all three of them are separate persons, but then yeah there are, there are elements of these two that are present in this other but then when you look at the space that doesn't overlap all of those ingredients really matter to individuate because mm -hmm. <clears throat> whereas one may have a few other components over here that that mean that they they do things that seem oh like kind of jarring and then later you find out it was for your benefit Whereas the other one might have stuff in there that like does stuff that seems kind, but ends up jarring and not for your benefit. Or like, you know, it might be the order is reversed or they might, they might have, they might not have your best interest in mind in the end, but the other one does, even though they share a lot of currents, like actual pieces of them might be shared, but mm. one still might help you where the other one might not. I don't know. That's, I'm not saying it is that way. It just, it's something to consider because I think that, uh, you know, if you looked at it as, as paints, like it just mixing in a little bit of something else will totally change the color, depending on what it is. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, so like, and that's kind of where I see the entity Prometheus in Prometheus. Like there's like yeah. a weird way in which he's like there in that film, because they used his name and you can kind of see the shadow of him, like the shape, but yeah. Um, so interesting. Um, I should probably get going soon. Yeah, I was um, just thinking, I think dinner is probably ready for me too. What time is it where you are? Uh, nine, uh, 9-11 PM. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> nice. We yeah. get to finish on some 9-11 truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is i smell lasagna that's the truth <laughs> well, that's a conspiracy uh, it's, it's a garfield it's, it's the garfield op it's good conspiracy to make you fat yeah lasagna is so good oh my god i can't even eat i've just been on this carnivore diet and it's like just well i i just crave meat all the time just yeah. looking, and specifically fat just like like i just want to go to a restaurant and just like when they throw out the cuts of fat i just kind of want to go to the restaurant and be like can i have the fat that you're throwing out <laughs> yeah I, give you a dollar i crave meat all the time i'm not carnivore only but i, I crave it all the time like but i also crave i crave like raw and, and fresh vegetables. yeah it's um I'm really hungry myself, although I missed lunch. So I'm actually, I'm not sure how hungry I am. Who knows? Well, let's go eat. This, yeah. is, uh, this has been awesome. And I really appreciate you coming and, and sharing with you. It's been really fun talking shop with about Cyprian stuff, especially like right after the holiday. 
Yeah, I hope I didn't like. I mean, like you know, no, I hope I didn't like offend Cyprian, like because it does seem like kind of something that he didn't necessarily. Like you mentioned, it was serendipitous that this is the first episode after his speech, so I thought it would be apropos to mention that stuff. So, yeah, you know, I don't want to ward anybody off with Cyprian. Like he's done a lot of good for me, and he's a very, you know, an excellent psychopomp. Like he'll do a lot of good things for you as you mentioned like teaching you lessons in a roundabout way and sure. i can I mean, see they're also yeah. like huge he's become big in in circles of like more new age type healers and then he's also president south american and african diasporic religions and like this yeah this or african traditional like they're yeah it's insane how much and and in scandinavia and in a lot of cases, like really just evil shit, uh, but like or in the in more of the historical stuff is just kind of bad. Like, but not so much the current uh, the current practices around the world. But like, it's fascinating because in each case, it seems people get led to what the like possibly something that looks like what their ancestral practice might have been, or whatever it is that's right for them in this life and whatnot. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely to anyone listening, it's like it's a bumpy ride, but it gets you where you're going. And but you know, it's it's not it's not somebody you want to engage with unless you're serious about like I'm I want to go on the path of like whatever that means for you, magically spiritually, whatever. Um, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about offending. Like I have gone on such wildly speculative tangents, like in the same room as my altar on video calls with people like Kurt. And um, no, I've, I've never been smacked down for it. The only time he's ever been upset with me really is if I forgot to finish the prayers for something I'd committed to, like falling asleep before I did that novena and then woken up at 4 a.m. from like a scolding, you know, like, <laughs> like go do it before the sun gets up <laughs> but uh but that's just about responsibility and holding me accountable so i don't i don't regret that shit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but, uh, all right cool good stuff well that's a relief so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't worry i think i think that's also something that's part of the journey is you gotta like burn the fear out of yourself by going through it a bunch of times so Mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily the most fun part but it's necessary <laughs> yep all right cool well thank you for having me on i hope i didn't like ramble on too much um, that's what it's for man that's yeah it's great it's was, it was it was really fun and i enjoy this podcast and uh you know um you know i hope it i hope uh you you get uh you become a great success and death to your enemies <laughs> well, thank you very much <laughs> i'll take it rightio you have a good one all right yeah you too take care kurt later jack stop recording